Thanks for tuning in to Inspiring Women. This week, I'm speaking with Ina Plum. She is the co-founder and chief operating officer of MetaRive, and she's going to talk about risk-taking and what that means to her. Now, she is a risk-taker, but a cautious and calculated one. And that stems from a lot of things, some of that including being an immigrant. She knows what it means for new beginnings and starting out with not all the resources that you need. However, it's important to Ina to make an impact. What they're doing at MetaRive is they're taking care of the patient in their homes with a mobile workforce EMT surrounding them with uh, technology and other resources. And how Ina is going about building this company starts from making sure the model works, but with their latest round of funding, they're looking at five and seven X growth. It's an inspiring story and you're gonna hear a lot more from Ina, let's get to it. But please do subscribe to Inspiring Women where you can hear more of these stories every week from incredible women. But now let's hear from Ina. This is Inspiring Women, and I am Lori McGraw today. I am delighted to be speaking to Ina Plum, and Ina is many things, but we are both residents of Boulder, Colorado. Um, unlike that shared thing, um, Ina is an accomplished triathlete, an ultra marathoner, and iron woman, um, but also she is the chief operating officer and co-founder of MetaRive, which is a very fast moving company that serves the home health needs using EMS uh, technicians to do that. So we're going to be talking about that. She previously was a founding partner at Redesign Health, where, which is on a mission to launch a hundred companies in the area of digital health and healthcare. When Ina was there, she launched several of them as the, uh, an original venture partner. And she comes from a background of finance and investing and supply chain and all of those things, and now has found her way into making a big dent in this complex world of healthcare. Ina, thank you for being on Inspiring Women. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, well, let's get started. And I do want to talk a little bit about all your sports activities, because it's just like, wow, those seem um, amazing, hopefully give you a lot of clear head and what Boulder could not be a better place to do all of those things. But let's talk about you. So you're at MetaRive. This is a very rapid moving company. 2018, it was founded recently, $30 million of investment and more um, coming and lots of partnerships, one that we'll talk about. But day-to-day, -day, what does day-to-day look like for you, Ina, um, in terms of the work that you do? Sure. Um, I'm really lucky in terms of how diverse my day-to-day -day is. Um, so I oversee our operations, our clinical team, legal and finance functions. Um, and it's it's nice to have that background in both finance and operations so I can bring that to my day-to-day. To my -day. We're fully remote, um, so, so work from home and so on, but you know, one of the things I'm particularly proud of is I think we've been able to build at MetaRive a really strong culture, despite all being really, you know, mostly in our homes most of the time. How do you do that? What's the secret? That's, I mean, that's a, just, you know, to dive right into one of those topical issues, building culture in remote companies, um, people are finding it hard and they're bringing most, uh, not most, but many companies are bringing everybody back because they're finding that really challenging. How are you doing it? Um, you know, we're, uh, I'd say Dan, my co-founder, especially is really good about building ritual and creating a lot of transparency and communication in the company. So we have really good kind of uh, all hands communication across the board. And then generally in our hiring practice, we, we tend to focus on hiring good people, hiring people who are 
frankly, genuinely nice, excited about what we're doing and so on. And we try to foster those kinds of connections between people virtually and be be real, bring our whole selves to work on a daily basis. But then also whenever we have the opportunity, we bring people together. And so, you know, when we're home, we do we do the work, we, we get the work done. And then in those precious moments, when we get to be together in person, we can really build meaningful interpersonal connections and get some of the higher level thinking done live. So we try to kind of get the most out of each setting. Well, that's hard to do. Um, it's great to be purposeful and thoughtful um, in that approach. And I hope that you can continue it as you continue to scale um, this growing company. But let's sort of get a little bit back to you, Ina. So you started in finance, you found your way to healthcare, you've done several things um, in healthcare and now landing on MetaRive. So a little bit of the career bio and and was healthcare an original passion from finance? You know, how did you get here? Sure. Um, it wasn't, I really, I had no idea that I would land in healthcare, but I'm so grateful that I did. Um, so sorry, my career in investment banking happened to land in a, I think a, a chemicals and industrials group. So nothing to do with what almost I'm doing. the same thing, <laughs> basically. Right. Um, and then moved on to private equity. I loved finance for the intellectual challenge, um, but felt like I was missing that day-to-day impact on the companies that I was working on um, and uh, eventually made the choice to jump over to the startup world, which was, I will say, a pretty scary choice to make at the time. It was, you know, like a third of the salary and an unknown uh, startup that I was going to at the time, Blue Apron, nobody had heard of it when I joined. Uh, Frankly, my parents thought I was nuts (laughs) to do that, but it felt right. felt like the right next move. Um, At Blue Apron, as often happens at startups, I got thrown into the most chaotic part of the company, which happened to be supply chain at the time. So I went from, you know, managing numbers and spreadsheets to suddenly being responsible for every piece of food that went into the boxes and managing a national team, which like blew my mind on a daily basis (laughs) and terrified me, but it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Um, It was supposed to be temporary. Turned out I was pretty good at it. Um, So I ended up um, staying in that role permanently, Um, was with the company from their Series B through their IPO. Um, And then after a few other startups got pulled into joining the founding team of Redesign Health, And so what attracted me there was the ability to combine my background in finance and operations, because this was this amazing team of operators slash finance thinkers that would launch companies. And at the time, I was somewhat agnostic about the industry. Healthcare seemed really interesting. Why not? There's a lot of opportunity. But I was really excited to get to put those kind of two parts of my brain back together um, so I was one of the first five partners to join the team. I helped build a lot of our early stage businesses or earlier businesses rather, um, was there for, for a number of years and MetaRive was actually an idea I was working on in early 2020. Um, we had a strong thesis that care was moving into the home, you know, a hospital of the future would be an ER an OR and an ICU. How do you bring care efficiently to a non-traditional setting? The challenge that I ran into was that it's very expensive to do in a non-clinical, non-centralized setting. Um, And most clinicians and providers don't really wanna go outside that setting. They're comfortable in a clinic. They don't wanna drive and so on. 
But then I came across the EMS space and here's this incredible workforce that's comfortable in the home that doesn't mind driving. That's what they do as part of their day-to-day, fairly cost-effective, fairly broadly scoped. And on top of that, with COVID, you know, unfortunately breaking out at the same time, what it did do for healthcare is blew open from a regulatory perspective, what could be done on a, from a telemed perspective. And so we can have a provider like an EMT or paramedic in the home who's enjoying that process and making the patient really comfortable. And then we can surround them with additional resources like physicians, behavioral therapists, social workers, and get so much closer to what a real office experience, in-office experiences, maybe even go beyond that because we're in a patient's home where they're comfortable, they're not nervous, um, and provide care in this really kind of cost-effective and novel way. So got really excited about it and jumped in full time. And so rest rest is history to some extent. Well, to some extent, I mean, you know, you're on a trajectory and it does look quite a bit like a Cinderella story, but maybe let's go back to some of those decision points. Um, You know, full disclosure, I'm an advisor to Redesigned Health. I'm a big supporter of the company, but that's only after it's launched its first 40 successful companies. You joined it when it was an idea without without any track record. And um, and then it turned into what is becoming, you know, this really wonderful, you know, many Cinderella-like stories. And then then MetaRive 2018 in terms of the beginning of that company, this is pre-pandemic. So it certainly seems like a fantastic idea now who wouldn't have thought of this, but you did it before there was a pandemic to accelerate all of that obvious growth um, and opportunity. So Ina, do you consider yourself a risk taker? Is that how do you, is that how you self-identify just, you know, how do you make those kinds of big decisions um, they're paying off for you, but how do you make them? Because they do seem risky um, from the outside looking in. Um, yeah, I would say I'm a, like a calculated and cautious risk taker. Um, so I'm an immigrant by background. I was born in the Soviet Union and um, came over to this country. My family moved to Israel um, when I was a baby and then here when I was um, around seven. Um, so there, there's definitely this, 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 desire embedded in me to like start things from scratch. I've always wanted to um, have a big impact and so on. But at the same time, it's kind of balanced out by, I'll be honest, like a continuous fear of, you know, not having an established safety net network, whatever in in this new country of mine. Um, So, and the two have often been kind of at odds. It's kind of why I went into finance, right? It's safe. It's a great career path and so on, but it wasn't enough. And so mm-hmm. I jumped over to to a startup. Um, and what's wonderful about redesign is it kind of let me tiptoe into becoming a founder. I am too risk averse, or I was at the time to you know start a new company in my garage. Uh, but joining a group of really smart people with incredible resources and a network around them that you know I admired and looked up to, um, and would allow me to, to do innovative things and build things from this, from the ground up was a really wonderful way to, you know, cautiously take the risk. Right. Well, you've also surrounded yourself or, you know, you're with some, not just um, great people like Dan in terms of your other co-founder, but also, you know, you are being backed at MetaRive by some of the top firms um, that are out there. Kleiner Perkins, Define Ventures, Seven Wire, you know, and of course, redesign um, from the beginning. So let's talk about MetaRive because you've been on this accelerated growth path. And, you know, again, just a couple of years old, I think it was four of you that 
started maybe not in a garage, but maybe on that hike in uh, Colorado originally <laughs> to um, to where you're going now. Talk a bit about, you know, you gave us the snapshot of the company, but a little bit about the growth um, that you've seen and how have you, I've, I imagine you've had to do a couple of pivots along the way. What have you been learning and where do you see the next couple um, years now that you've, you're pretty established or reasonably established across many different states? So I would say we've been very thoughtful in our growth and kind of tiptoed our way into um, increasing the complexity of the services that we provide. Um, and that's something that's incredibly important to both Dan and I, because we're a startup, we have to grow fast, but we also have to grow responsibly, right? At the end of the day, we're providing healthcare services to patients, and that is an enormous responsibility um, that and an honor to, to, to be able to do for our, for our patients. And so Whatever we do, we have to do that exceptionally well. Um, and so we, we always have to move in a measured way. We started with COVID vaccinations um, in, in California for the homebound population in partnership with ScanHealth, so fairly straightforward use case. We then moved on to episodic, um, what we call episodic visits, so meaning we see a patient just once uh, for, for annual wellness visits um, in North Carolina with Bright. Um, and then from there, continued kind of up the acuity and complexity scale to longitudinal care for more complex Medicaid populations that we're helping to keep out of the ED by providing them with the clinical resources and social resources that they need. And there we're seeing patients multiple times over the course of um, you know, their lifetime with us. So we've been very thoughtful in terms of how we've expanded. Um, but we are at this point looking at really meaningful growth um, over the next um, 12 months. I, I'd say the past year has really been about establishing our ability to perform and to deliver on those use cases. And now it's all about scaling and executing, you know, north of five, five to seven X growth, which is a really exciting inflection point to be at. Well, I'll bet and probably also um, not enough time in any day to get some of those things done that you need to, but it also means partnerships. And so one of your most recent ones that you announced is a partnership with UMA. This seems also interesting, focusing on a vulnerable population, but also potentially higher acuity um, visits in the maternal health, the, um, you know, maternal newborn fetal health. So tell us a little bit about that partnership and what it does with Medarive. Sure. So we are always thinking about, given the populations that we serve, what additional services, resources can we bring them to meet really critical needs? And we let kind of the needs of the population drive that next partnership. Um, so we started with behavioral health, social support, and have, as you mentioned recently, expanded into this exciting partnership with UMA. You know, maternal care, prenatal care um, is such an important component of care, especially for Medicaid populations. It's such a high cost and there are so many uh, negative health outcomes in particular in Medicaid populations who are a big portion of, of the folks that we serve. And what's really tragic is in 2021, we saw an enormous spike in maternal deaths, like north of 40%. And they tend to um, disproportionately affect um, racial minorities and um, folks who are disenfranchised from an economic perspective. So, so 40% exactly. increase is what you mean in terms of what they have been. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I think something like 1,200 women died of maternal causes in 2021 Complications. compared to, yeah. I think, like 800 something in 2020. So it's, an, mm -hmm. it's a terrifying increase. Mm -hmm. And most of those deaths can be avoided with good prenatal care, 
connecting patients to the right OB care and then uh, the right behavioral health support, right? Um, postpartum depression is such a big issue. Um, and that's really where, where UMA comes in. They have that network of OBs, lactation consultants, certified nurse midwives, behavioral health therapists. And for us, we can meet the, these patients right where they are, because for some reason, they're not getting that care. They're not getting into the OB, they're not getting into the clinic and so on. So we're meeting them where they are in their homes. We're identifying essential uh, data, not just healthcare information about clinical care uh, um, data about what they need, but also, you know, we can get a real sense of, are they happy? Are they doing okay? What kind of additional support do they need and make those connections with UMA so that we can provide comprehensive care and we'll see those patients over and over and over throughout their pregnancy so we can support them and make sure that that care continues and doesn't fall off and related. Uh, we've done several episodes with women experts, physicians who are in this space. And of course, the United States has some of the worst outcomes as it relates to maternal health, particularly if you're a woman of color, particularly if you're someone on Medicaid. And those issues um, are also complex and they vary state by state. So the fact that you are doing this by bringing the care to the humans um, in the equation, in the environments where they are, you know, uh, where they are pregnant, um, it really just seems like that will be a really winning formula to making a difference um, in these in these complications. So exciting, and I hope that um, I hope that you do see five and seven and eight x growth um, in that space alone. Ina, this is I mean, there's a lot going on with your company. I want to sort of come back to you a little bit. You know, as a thriving executive who is very busy on this mission to make a dent um, in healthcare. Give us some of your experiences in terms of how you have grown professionally, maybe mentors that have been important to you or other things that just you learned along the way that helped you become the executive that you are today. Um, sure. I mean, I'll start with the second part of the question in terms of things I've learned along the way. I think I've learned to be gentler with myself in terms of making mistakes and um, having this mindset of, okay, made a mistake, learn from it, move on, don't, don't, you know, try not to make it again. Um, that's, I think, especially important in the startup world, because you're kind of always struggling with things you might not, you nobody has ever done before. So by definition, you're going to make mistakes. Um, so that's been incredibly helpful. I'd say as far as mentors, um, both personally and professionally, um, one of the greatest mentors of my life is uh, my grandfather. So he's actually, he's the reason that um, I'm in this country. He pushed our family to move here. And, you know, it was scary for me as a kid, but like, you know, within a few months I was fluent in English. You don't, you don't do that when you're in the, in your fifties and you move countries. Um, And he's, um, he's a physicist and uh, always pushed me on science projects and so on, but basically always pushed me to be different. Whatever I was doing, whatever I was, I was putting together, I should not just do it better than, than other people, but I should wow my audience. I should wow my, my counterparts and be different. And then, uh, you know, the last thing I would say is he's got this like limitless energy. So he, um, 
he worked for Lockheed Martin into his late 70s as a physicist, um, retired, wrote a textbook on physics, got bored, and in his mid-80s decided to work for NASA. So anytime I, so if I think about, wow, <laughs> yeah, like being tired at a startup, I just think about my grandfather in his 80s working on the Venus uh, rover <laughs> um, and and get inspired. So he's definitely someone I've looked up to. Well, also sounds like a wonderful person to have in your corner and someone to turn to for that type of advice um, and everything else. Ina, maybe just some other things, you know, women often talk about who are just becoming the leaders that you are, um, different points in time of a career, whether it was a misstep or a, something where you fell down and had to pick up that you learned from. Get any examples like that in your background that was particularly meaningful for you that led to the growth and, you know, what you're doing today? Um, you know, I, I would say probably, I don't, you know, I, I tend to think that most things end up working out for the best. Um, and me leaving finance often felt like a mistake in the moment. Um, it was terrifying. I was making so much less money than I was before. I wasn't on this like straightforward career path. Um, I, you know, suddenly I'm like, driving to New Jersey every day to a warehouse to figure out, you know, leaky meat instead of <laughs> my cushy job on Central Park, you know, uh, I, although I wouldn't call finance cushy, but, you know, to some extent right. um, it, back in the day. Um, but I've, you know, having been through that experience, I'm so grateful for it. It put me on this trajectory to entrepreneurship. And despite how scary it was at the time and how many doubts I had. I'm so glad that I did it because I get to not just be, you know, fulfilled professionally, but happy every day in what I do. And that's, that's just so important. I, you know, that makes you better at your job if you're happy on a day-to-day -day basis. Most certainly. And certainly congratulations on all the success that you've had so far. Um, also hoping for much more of it in the future. Closing out here on Inspiring Women, Ina, your best advice that you might give others, um, younger women, perhaps who are just starting out. That's a good question. Um, I would say, believe in yourself. You're enough. Don't doubt. And if you ever need help, don't feel like you sh you're you're not supposed to reach out or you're lesser than for reaching out for help because it takes a village to build a company to you know to to raise a family whatever it is reach out for help and believe in yourself Great advice. All right. This has been a terrific conversation. Ina, thank you so much. This is, I'm Lori McGraw. This is Inspiring Women. I've been speaking to Ina Plum. Ina, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.